And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it, not only when their eye is on you and to win their favour, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is in the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong, and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Thank you. Friends, uh, let's uh, bow in prayer, shall we? Gracious God, we thank you for your word and we thank you for this precious half hour or so that uh, we can absorb ourselves in your word. We do pray, Lord God, that uh, you would help us to understand it rightly and help us to uh, consider how we can put it into practice in our lives. We pray for the same for the children next door, that the uh, word of uh, the gospel would be firmly embedded in their hearts and their minds and their, their souls, that they would grow to maturity in Christ. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I wonder how, how significant... Uh, do you think is the role of a father in the life of a family? That's an uh, important question, isn't it? Because uh, I think it seems to me that uh, over the past few decades or so that uh, there has been mixed messages uh, from our society about the importance and the significance of, of dads. Um, on the one hand, it uh, seems that there has been some uh, good developments on the fatherhood front. Uh, it seems that uh, possibly because of the changing work-life practices that uh, families have uh, with uh, men and women, that uh, dads have been encouraged to, uh, to really connect uh, with their kids. Now, I know it's risky to generalise, but uh, it seems to me that uh, from talking to people of an older uh, generation uh, and uh, observing life these days, that uh, men these days, dads in particular, are encouraged uh, to, be, to see themselves as being more than just the, the breadwinners, more than just the, uh, the providers for the family, and to share in parenting in a more connected, more relational kind of way. And that's good, if my observation is correct. But I say that there's been mixed messages uh, about fatherhood because there are some social and moral issues where fatherhood, 
and I would even say indeed motherhood, uh, seems to be caught in the crossfire of debate and, and is reduced in terms of its significance and its importance. Uh, let me give you a couple of examples of that. Uh, over the last while or so, we've been immersed in the whole issue of same-sex marriage, haven't we, uh, in our media and in politics and so on. And in the debate about same-sex marriage, it's sometimes, perhaps even often said, that children who are raised in those families are not in any way disadvantaged. Have you heard that said? It was an issue on... Did anyone see Q&A on ABC TV last Monday? That was the issue that came up. And uh, during the week... It was uh, reported in the media widely that a group of 150 doctors, medical doctors, had uh, given a submission to the government to say that they believe that uh, there is a difference. Uh, but, the, uh, but, the, they, but they were pilloried in the media for saying so. Because people want to say that it makes no difference whether a child has, a, has two mothers or whether a child has two fathers, or whether a child has a mother and a father, it makes no difference. That what they argue is that mothers and fathers do not contribute any unique positive differences uh, into the life of the family and the upbringing of children. And so that's an area where we're seeing that both motherhood with its uniqueness and fatherhood with its uniqueness are being diminished. But uh, we see it even more particularly with fatherhood in the issue of abortion, uh, where it is often argued that it is the sole right of the mother to uh, decide what happens to her unborn child, because they say it is her body. Now, notwithstanding the fact that there's also a little body of an unborn human being that's involved, they say that it's the mother's right to make the decision because it's her body. And so, in that regards, the role and the responsibility of fatherhood is diminished. In fact, it's more than diminished. Uh, in many cases, of course, the fathers in question uh, <clears throat> seem to be quite happy about this as well. But the Bible teaches a very different view of fatherhood. It teaches a higher view of the place and the responsibility of fathers towards their children. Now in this passage which we're looking at over three weeks, uh, we're provided with a, a little window of opportunity to kind of break open this issue and, and to explore something of the relationship that uh, parents have with their children and particularly the relationship uh, between children and their fathers. You may not be a father here, uh, but this is relevant to everyone because we're all concerned about family life. We're all concerned about the well-being of uh, individuals. And if you were here with us last week, you may remember that Paul, in this passage uh, that uh, Rebecca read to us, that uh, Paul was sharing with the Colossians about what it means to, to do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and how that 
fleshes out how being in Christ works through in terms of the key relationships. The relationship between husband and wife, which we looked at last week. The relationship between slave and master, which we'll look at next week. And in verses 20 to 21, the relationship between parents and their children. And we're going to look at that now. So let me just read to you verses 20 to 21, just to uh, recap. In verse 20, uh, Paul says, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Two favourite verses. Uh, for children, they really love verse 21. For mums and dads, they keep on reminding the children of verse 20. But that's not the way that we should look at this necessarily. Now, there's an obvious question about those verses. I don't know if it sprang to your mind as I was reading that or not. And the question is this, why does Paul single out dads? Did you notice that? I mean, you know, children are to obey their parents. That's husband, uh, mother and father. That's plural. And uh, dads are to instructed in certain ways. But why is there no command to the mums? Why do you think? You think it's because mums don't need the command? Maybe so. Maybe so. They're smart enough to figure it out themselves, aren't they? <laughs> us, us blokes, were a bit thick. But as we saw last week, uh, there is a difference between husbands and wives, and dads do have a different role. Uh, the Old Testament uh, tells us the story of families, doesn't it? Uh, so much of the Old Testament narrative is about stories of, of, of people and their families. And one of the threads which is woven through the Old Testament is the idea that children come from the body of the father. Let me explain that. It's not like Arnold Schwarzenegger in that movie, that terrible movie, what's it called? Uh, you know the one I mean? Junior, where he gets pregnant. <laughs> it's not like that. Not, of course not. It's in the sense that in the scriptures, the theme that's woven through is that the father is not merely a sperm donor. Uh, he is not the junior partner in the reproduction process. Now, there's no chapter in the Bible which says reproduction, you know, God's way. Uh, it's something which is a theme that runs through the scriptures. And in terms of the, um, the relational order, which we looked at last week, in terms of the relational order, life is seen as being as originating uh, from the from the husband, from the father, because it is he who plants the seed in the woman's womb, from which uh, comes forth the fruit of the womb. There are many examples of that. Uh, one key example is that of Abraham. So. Remember Abraham and Sarai, his wife, uh, were very, very old, uh, beyond what would be normal childbearing age, and they had no children, and therefore there was no heir. And God made a promise. He promised that he would give them a son. 
In Genesis chapter 15, Abraham was feeling a bit down about his situation and he, he said to God, he said, look, it looks like uh, that uh, my heir is going to be um, Eliezer of Damascus, who was one of his slaves. One of my slaves is going to be my heir. But God's answer to that was, no, this man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. Whose body? Abraham's body. Uh, not that he gets pregnant, but that it is his seed which produces the child. And this thread is woven throughout the scriptures. We see it uh, to some extent in the many genealogies in the, throughout the Bible where uh, uh, we're told that a man was the father of his son, who was the father of his son, who was the father of his son, who was the father of... and so on and so forth. So the point here is that fatherhood in the scriptures is important and that life is seen as, as originating from the father. Now, to some extent, that's pretty much stating the obvious, but not in our society where, where fatherhood uh, is, uh, is caught in this crossfire and, uh, and, and is being sidelined as a result. In the Bible, fathers are not figures who are kind of like at the perimeter of family life. Rather, fathers are at, at the very centre, at the very heart of the life of a family. Uh, they are, as men who see themselves as being responsible for the very existence of the family and uh, are responsible for the well-being of their families. Now, last week we saw that uh, between husbands and wives that there is an order in relationship whereby the husband takes ultimate responsibility in, the, in that relationship. Uh, we saw it in verses 18 and 19 that wives are to submit to their husbands and husbands are to lead their wives in love. That's a hot topic, isn't it? Which is uh, very often misunderstood. And uh, if you weren't able to catch the sermon last Sunday, then uh, I think it should be available on the internet and uh, you can also order a CD online because it's an important topic to get a handle on. But it makes sense that if the husband is to lead in the husband-wife relationship, then he's also to lead his children. Now, he's not alone in that leadership, obviously. Uh, he is to lead with his wife. Uh, in the order of relationships in families, dads are to lead. Both dad and mum have the responsibility and the authority over their children. Uh, in the scriptures, and we see it a lot in the book of Proverbs, uh, children are to honour and obey both of their parents. And that, by the way, is something that dads ought to insist upon. Uh, dads ought to be insisting that their children honour and obey uh, their mother, as the writer in Proverbs does. And it's also why in verse 20, Paul has a pastoral word to the children in the congregation in Colossae. We should be feeding this through to the Sunday school, I think. <laughs> We've got some of the uh, teenagers here, and, uh, and the reality is that we're all children in some respects. Well, in, the, in that very real respect. Uh, 
And what he says to them is this. He says, children, obey your parents. That's mum and dad in everything. That makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, they brought you into the world. Uh, they love you. Uh, God has given them responsibility for you. So don't make their job hard. Make their job easy by actually obeying them. There's a question which we considered last week in relation to a wife submitting to her husband, which I think we also need to ask the same question to this relationship, and that is, are there times when it may be right for a child to not obey their parents? There's a couple of situations that spring to my mind that could give rise to a child not wanting to obey their parents. Uh, and one is adulthood. <laughs> um, there are some families and indeed some cultures where it is anticipated that children will obey their parents in everything for the entirety of the parent's life. So that uh, you get situations where a person may be a uh, 50-year-old adult who is expected to obey unquestionably whatever his or her parent says. And that's an issue for some families. It's not the biblical model because uh, in the Bible, and we see it in Genesis chapter 2, for example, which we looked at briefly last week, that uh, a man is to leave his mother and father and he's to cleave to his wife. And embedded in that is the idea that his priority in relationships changes. Uh, he steps out of the uh, authority and the care and protection of his father's household and he creates his own household situation. Uh, in the Ten Commandments, it says that uh, God says that we are to honour our father and our mother. And that's as good enough reason as any for uh, a young person to obey their parents. But to honour means a lot more than simply to obey. Uh, uh, for an adult child, it will mean to respect and to care for and to uphold the dignity of their parents. In uh, 1 Timothy chapter 5, Paul says that children are to care for their parents and for their grandparents. And he says that in doing so, uh, we, we recognise all that they have done for us. In fact, he uses the term that we pay them back for what they've done for us. Adult children are to honour their parents, but that's not necessarily the same as obeying. An important goal in parenting is to equip children to grow up, to stand on their own feet and make their own decisions. And that means that there's time for parents to let go. The other issue is, what about when obeying a parent means disobeying God? Um, that can be a tough situation for young people. But in verse 20, what is the reason why children should obey their parents? Uh, it is because it pleases the Lord. And so that's why they should obey their parents. 
Uh, it's not necessarily you just obey dad because dad says you must obey me. Overriding that will be uh, because you want to honour God and it pleases the Lord. And so if pleasing the Lord is what counts, then what comes first? Well, the Lord comes first. I, I do know of situations where Christian children have spoken up to a parent or to a school teacher and they've said, I don't want to do what you want because it's not right. It's wrong. I wonder if you've seen that situation. Uh, the result of that will vary according to who the people are. Uh, sometimes the parent or the teacher will actually appreciate it. Uh, sometimes it won't work out that well. But it's still the right and the godly thing to do, isn't it? And, uh, you know, as a Christian father, uh, I want my children to, uh, to speak up and to tell me if they think that I'm wanting them to do something which would dishonour God. Because I'm actually a fallible human being uh, and I make mistakes. And occasionally uh, our kids have done that uh, on smallish kind of issues. It's something I encourage because my goal for them is not that they should just uh, <clears throat> you know, step in line with me and just obey me when it, in whatever I want. My goal for them is that they should love, trust and honour God as being first in their lives. And that leads us to the question of how dads are to lead their children so take a look at verse 21. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Now, in what ways can a father embitter his children? How long have we got for this talk? There are many ways, many, many ways. Uh, not being a central part of their lives well, that's a really good way of embittering children. Uh, to be on the sidelines of family life. Uh, to, to not have a good working relationship with your kids. To not listen to them. To not try to understand them. To not enter into their world. What about the father who has high expectations that that cannot be met? What about the father who expects his son or his daughter to be of a certain standard and to have certain attributes and qualities in their life and who doesn't cope well when they don't? And so the, the child finds that they, they just can't please dad. They can't live up to his expectations and they're constantly being criticised um, discouraged and crushed in spirit. How should a father exercise his leadership? Well, Paul had some similar things to say to the church up the road in Ephesus. So I wonder if you might uh, come with me to Ephesians chapter 6 for a moment. In Ephesians 6 verses 1 to 4, it's just back on page 829. Let me read this and and observe the similarities in the two passages. 
Ephesians 6 verse 1, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, and this is one we're interested in, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Exasperate. That's a nice word, isn't it? I wonder what it means. I, I, I looked up the dictionary and uh, I learnt that to exasperate means to irritate, um, to annoy, to incite someone to get, to get angry. That's what it means to exact to provoke someone. Now that I've fleshed it out, do you sometimes feel exasperated? <laughs> Absolutely. It's uh, not unlike the word to embitter in Colossians. And it's the sort of thing that happens when a father thinks that his leadership is actually all about him and his views and his needs and his desires and what he wants and... But as we saw last week, leadership is about love. Leadership is about serving. How should the husband lead his wife? Well, pretty much in the same way that Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, putting her well-being above his own. How should a father lead his children? Well, Paul says, instead of exasperating them, dads, how about the idea of raising them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord? That's not a bad idea, is it? How about that? In the scriptures, it is the fathers who are to step up to the mark and to take spiritual responsibility in their families. Now, obviously, it's a partnership and mothers play a huge role in that. You only have to look at the example of Timothy, who was taught the gospel by his mother and his grandmother. Right? But far from being the junior partners who kind of just leave that job up to mum, fathers are to be at the very heart and at the very centre of the spiritual life of their families. Leading, taking the initiative to, to pray for their kids, taking the initiative to read the Bible to their kids and to read the Bible with their kids, taking the initiative to spend time, to spend quantity time so that you can get the quality time, so that you can chat with your kids about how, they go, how they're getting on with God. What are the issues in their life that they need to be working through how God would have them live? Answering their questions. Um, to be the one who, who plans and who helps uh, to get the family to church on Sundays and to the kids, to youth group. To be the one who watches over his own godliness as a first priority and leads his family in being godly to ensure that the direction of his family, the direction of his kids, the direction of his wife is on, is on the path of righteousness. 
Now, when a father takes the spiritual lead in a household, it makes it a whole lot easier for everybody else, especially mum and the kids. When he doesn't take that lead, it makes it a whole lot harder for everyone else, for his wife, and especially, I might add, for his sons who will follow his example. It's an important role. And something which we can all do, whether we're fathers or not, is to pray for the dads of our church. To pray for the dads in our own families. To pray that God would strengthen them as they seek to fulfil that role. Now, there is a a whole lot more that could be said uh, about men and fatherhood in this regard. And uh, I really want to commend to the the guys in the church the two books that I've uh, mentioned in the bulletin. Um, Fatherhood by Tony Payne, which is a uh, good biblical exposition of the biblical themes of fatherhood. And uh, uh, Point Man by Steve Farrow, which is a really good, punchy, um, uh, very highly applicable uh, book that uh, deals with Uh, the key issues of how a man can lead his family through the spiritual battleground that is the 21st century. The other thing, of course, is that uh, we're promoting the Total Men Conference, which is coming up in July. A great opportunity for guys in our church to go as a group to uh, hear uh, God's word expounded. Uh, and uh, to uh, look at topics like uh, men living with no regrets, men and adultery and men and anger, uh, all within the context of this biblical teaching about manhood and fatherhood. So I encourage guys to sign up for that. Friends, behind all of this, though, there is something else. Because children learn, in many ways, they learn from us by our words, by our actions, and by our underlying attitude. A man will not exasperate or embitter his children if his leadership is about leading them in the Lord and leading them in the Lord's way. Through his words, through his actions, through his attitude an attitude of serving, an attitude of loving, an attitude of caring. For his attitude in leading is not to be the attitude of the world, which lords it over. Rather, he is to lead in the same way that Christ leads. Christ, who came into this world not to be served, but rather to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Indeed, it doesn't matter if you're a father or not. Uh, should, ought that not to be the attitude of each of us in our relationships with one another? Well, let's pray about these things, shall we? Heavenly Father, we do thank you for families, uh, your unit uh, for society, and for your glory. We do in particular pray for uh, 
the uh, children of our congregation, that they would have such a love for you that they would seek to make life for their parents easy and to be obedient children. Father, we pray for uh, the relationship between husbands and wives in our church, that we would have uh, solid relationships uh, built on biblical principles. We pray particularly for fathers, that uh, you would help them to uh, be men of, of great godliness, uh, men who uh, seek to lead in love and in service. We pray, Father God, that uh, uh, the families of our church would be families that shine forth uh, your glory and are attractive to others. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.